Welcome back to the Dimers Basketball Podcast. I'm Caleb. Amir's with me once again. Amir, what are we going to get into today? I'm pissed and I'm ready to record. Why are you mad? I don't know. There's a lot going on. Let's start recording. Okay, well, we already are recording. Welcome back again, guys, to episode number me and Caleb don't know yet because we were trying to spend five minutes figuring out what episode number this is. I don't know anymore. We're losing track. But we are back, and we are excited to be back. One thing I will say, Caleb, is that there hasn't been too much NBA news going on, but there's a lot of off-the-court news going on. If, if you've been paying attention, there's a lot of off-the-court drama and stuff going on. And probably the biggest one right now would be what's going on with LeBron James and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Before we get into everything, let's hear what Zlatan had to say about LeBron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I liked a lot. And uh, I mean, he's a phenomenal in what he's doing. But I don't like when people, when they have a, they, some kind of status and they go in and they do politics at the same time what they're doing. I mean, do what you're good at. Do the category you do. I play football because I'm the best in playing football. I don't do politics. If I would be a political politician, I would do politics. That is the first mistake people do when they become famous and they come in a certain st- uh, status. Stay out of it. Just do what you're best at because it doesn't look good. So that's what soccer star Zlatan Ibrahimovic had to say about LeBron James and just politics in general. Caleb, did you get a chance to hear what LeBron said back? I think I heard he said something like he's very educated on the topic and maybe like he can be quiet if he wants or something like that. It was something where he kind of just deflected it back off him. Yeah, Uh, let's let's hear what LeBron had to say real quick. At the end of the day, um, you know, I would never uh, shut up about things that's um, that's wrong. Um, I I preach about my people and I preach about, uh, you know, equality, um, social injustice, racism, um, you know, systematic. uh, uh, voting, uh, voter suppression, um, things that go on in our community, um, because I was a part of my community at one point and seeing the things that was going on. And I know that, you know, what's going on still, because I have a, a group of uh, 300 plus kids at my school that's going through the same thing and they need a, a voice. Um, um, and I'm their voice. I'm their voice. And I use my platform to continue to shed light on everything that may be going on, not only in my community, but around the, uh, you know, this country and around the world. So, um, you know, if, if, if there's no reason, uh, well, now I won't say no reason, but there's no way uh, I will ever just stick to sports because I understand how, um, you know, how this platform and how powerful my voice is. Um, and he can just ask uh, Renee uh, Montgomery, uh, you know, if I would have shut up and just dribbled. Um, seeing that beautiful black woman today, um, you know, be a part of a, a group um, where she's part of an ownership group now with the Atlanta Dream down in Atlanta. And uh, it's funny he say that because I believe in like 2018, he was the same guy who said uh, when he was back in Sweden, talking about the same things um, because his last name wasn't a certain last name that uh, he felt like it was some racism going on when he was out on the pitch. Um, right? He did say that, right? Yeah, I thought he was, I thought he said that. So um, I speak from a very educated mind. Um, so um, I'm kind of the wrong guy to actually go at because I do my homework. Well, first of all, Caleb, what, what were your thoughts on what Zlatan said as far as 
you, you know, LeBron should just kind of, and big athletes with such big platforms should stick to what they know best and not really dive into politics. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, well, here's my thoughts on that. People, I mean, politics are obviously, it's like a feeling out thing, right? Like nobody, there's no like 100% right way about politics, right? Like it's kind of just how you feel. So to say that, leave it to people that know what they're talking about. Well, politics is kind of like, everybody knows what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're free to your own opinion. That's an opinionated field. But like the stuff LeBron's talking about, I don't really know if it's politics. You know what I mean? Like racial, like racial equality and stuff like that. Like, I don't really think that that's really much politics. So I don't know why he's saying stay out of politics, but I don't think athletes should have to stick away from something because anybody should have a voice on politics. Right. Like, yeah that's why we vote. Everybody has a say on it. So I don't think that athletes need to really stick out of it, but I, I do think that LeBron kind of, it's hard to say, he kind of like just talks what he wants to talk about and ignores some stuff. And I'm trying not to bring up the obvious here, but the China thing, he kind of just turned a blind eye to that and was like, mm, I don't know what they're talking about. And his excuse would be, well, I wasn't educated on that or something, but it's like, Something like that, you know what I mean? Maybe educate yourself a little bit on it, but I don't think athletes should have to stick away from something, especially like that. I see your point. And you brought up something about the whole China situation. Like just to quickly brief over it, for those of you that don't know the situation, pretty much a piece of legislation introduced over the summer, this past summer of 2020. And, or this is, I believe this was in 2019. And pretty much what happened was that they were allowed to take criminals from Hong Kong back to China to extradite them, um, in which those criminal trials were like super, you know, brutal. And it was, they were being targeted unfairly. And Daryl Morey decided to tweet about that and said, free Hong Kong. That ended up being a huge thing with the NBA. The NBA lost a ton of money. LeBron obviously spoke up about it. LeBron was saying that that wasn't the right time and the right situation. He said that Daryl Morey should have educated himself because LeBron felt uncomfortable since he was in China at the time, right? And he was like, you're putting us in danger, the players in danger, which is fair. But at the same time, the, the, here's what frustrates me with LeBron. This whole time when, when he's wanting to cover, you know, everything that's been going on, and, and, and I love the way LeBron decides to be an activist about specific things. But then I also don't appreciate the way that when it comes to other stuff, you don't hear any mention of LeBron. Like, LeBron didn't mention Hong Kong. He, he, even afterwards, he said, well, I'm not defending that, that point. He's like, I'm not saying that I disagree with Daryl Morey. I'm just saying that, that it wasn't the right time, which again, this is very deep, I guess, because at the same time, it's like, it's, it's a very hard situation, but I've, my frustration with LeBron is, is he's so worried about capitalism at the end of the day, right? Because it's like, how come he doesn't mention the slave labor in China? Well, oh, that's a good, you know why? Because Nike's shoe sales in China have been doubling in the last five years and they have over 145,000 workers, slave workers in China. And you know, that you who's stitching those number 23 jerseys? Like at the end of the day, I wish LeBron spoke out about more stuff and wasn't just particular with what he cares about. You, you know what I mean with that? Like if it directly affects him negatively, he just kind of stays out of the way like the whole sales thing like he's gonna lose money if he opens up about that and it's it sucks but at the same time like i don't know it's just 
I'm not going to be mad at him for being an activist about something and not the other, because at the end of the day, he's bringing light to an issue that needs looked at. So he's doing good, but that one thing just really, I think rubs people the wrong way. And I, I don't think there's anybody that shouldn't be upset with that a little bit. That's fine, Caleb. But here's my thing. Do you not find it hypocritical, for example, when we just saw what happened with Jeremy Lin? Jeremy Lin got mm-hmm. called coronavirus. And he said, I'm a nine-year vet in the NBA. And people in the G League are calling yeah, me. Yeah, what G Leaguer do you think opened his mouth and called him that? Because like, I'm very curious what G Leaguer would have done something like that. It's got to be a young G League player. I'm guessing one of those guys that went undrafted and he's one of those younger players because – you, you got to imagine, there's no way a player from overseas, like an Amir Johnson type of guy, yeah. is going to say that to Jeremy Lin. That's, yeah. that's crossing in a major line. Yeah, that's like nobody from overseas, like no European players are going to call him that. I don't even know if there is that many European players in the G League, to be honest. He probably would just stayed overseas. It's not going to be a veteran. It's not going to be a guy who's even played two years. It has to be an undrafted guy from the past two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think regardless whoever did it, it was wrong. Mm-hmm. I just wish LeBron would be more vocal about that because we've seen Did he it even right talk now, about that. He hasn't. And, and that's my thing. It's we see right now with, with so much uh, because of COVID so much hate towards Asian Americans and Asians. And this is a perfect situation. You have a former player, one of your, you know, at the end of the day, they talk about it. The NBA is a fraternity, right? They're all brothers. Jeremy Lin's still a part of that fraternity. You can't leave him out in the cold. LeBron should be speaking. Up. I'm not saying it's on solely just on LeBron. Just saying that when he does speak on certain things, and then when situations like this comes up, I'm not saying for, I expect LeBron to speak up on everything, but then it's just hypocritical when in certain situations he chooses, oh, I'm not going to speak up on it because it doesn't directly affect me. But Well, it's like, well, at the end of the day, if you want people to help one another, if you want to get you want to push things forward with whatever your choice of activism is you want the same for other people other people want you to do the same for them if you want someone to care about you you got to care about them so at the end of the day it's just frustrating to kind of see where lebron stands yeah. on this and as far as he he tries too much i feel like to act like like an act and that's fine if he's an activist but he tries too much to to kind of put himself out there but then when in situations like this come up you don't hear him from him at all. Mm-hmm. So it it's embarrassing. It, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I will say that you're not going to expect LeBron to speak about everything and he won't, he's not going to change. We've seen it. LeBron is who he is and he's still done a lot of good stuff. Like I said, I respect him for what he did with the, I promise school. That's, you know, and, and now you see a lot of NBA players are starting to open up schools. So that's something that I, I think has been really good. And one thing that LeBron has done is he's been an influence around the NBA. Speaking of influences, Kyrie Irving was just talking about how he wants Kobe Bryant to be the new logo of the NBA because of his influence among the NBA and among black players. So let's hear what Kyrie had to say. Well, number one, I think as a native black man, as a native black king, you know, I think it's part of my responsibility to continue to push our generation, our culture forward. Um, I, I know that it probably was met with some people that love it, I love the idea, and some people that don't like it. But my thing is uh, paying homage to the example that has been set by that man. Um, he's 17 years old. We're drafting guys even younger now, guys that are coming out of uh, different places. And he was the standard for our generation, and he will continue on. And I, I want that to be something in history that 
is changed forever, that our generation was part of that change. And, um, you know, if that means that I have to lead that forward and get the conversation going, then great. But, uh, you know, I think he deserves it. I think his family deserves it. I think we deserve it as seeing greatness personified as Mamba. And anyone that's coming into the league should know that that's the example that was set. And I'm only saying that just speaking about Kobe. I don't want to discredit any of our other historical sure. players that have done amazing things for the league. I'm not discrediting anyone when I say that Kobe should be the logo um, because we have so many examples of guys that did things on and off the floor that were leaps and bounds um, for us to be where we are now. So um, I'm just saying present day, I think uh, it was 224. Uh, it was only a year, year after the memorial. And, um, you know, it's just a refresher that this is the guy for us. He's the guy for me. He's my mentor, more than just an inspiration. I took a lot of knowledge and wisdom from that guy. And he's always around me. And uh, Gigi's always around me. And I know that in the women's game, we want to continue to push things forward. But in our game, too, we want to set a standard and a precedent. Like, this is, this is excellence. Kobe Bryant, logo. Yes, needs to happen. I don't care what anyone says. Black Kings built the league. It's exactly what I meant. exactly where I stand. So, Caleb, there's Kyrie Irving talking about how he thinks Kobe should be the new logo. What are your thoughts on what he said about the whole situation? And do you think the logo should change? Um, I think it should change. I think, you know, over time, I think all logos should change because they get outdated. Now, sports logos somehow stand the test of time, but I don't know if it should be him. Um, Because there was, here's my thing. There wasn't really a lot of talk about Kobe being the logo before he died. And I think, you know, he did die young, but I don't think that it's fair to just say, oh yeah, he should be the logo now because he died young. Now, if he died in his playing days before he retired, sure. But I just think that there wasn't enough talk about it before then, but it should be changed. Who should it be changed to? I don't know. He's definitely on that list of guys that should be changed to. And what he said about, what Kyrie said about Black Black Kings built the league, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Back in like the 60s, there was just a bunch of white guys running around the court. And then they would throw it to the one black guy on their team every now and then. And then they'd be like, good. It, like the I mean, Arby's owner that was a referee? Yeah. So like – you got, I don't know. It's, it, it should be changed. I don't know who it should be changed to. I think Kobe's definitely a guy that should be mentioned, but I don't know if I'd go with him. I don't know if I'd go with Jordan either. Cause Jordan, while he was great, he also has his own brand art. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah like that's a good Jordan. point. You brought up Jordan. And um, first I agree with Kyrie. I, I, I really like what he said about how the Mamba kind of represents excellence and greatness and, how that's kind of what you want to set an example for the league as well as Kendrick Perkins. He said that Kobe's an icon and the mama mentality is a mindset that every player should have. So that's, that's kind of something that that, that, I like that idea for the logo, but I agree with you. I don't know if it should be Kobe because at the end of the day, it's like, when you think of basketball, yeah, our generation, like for example, our generation, we, one of our global things is we we shoot a little piece of trash into the trash anything right it can be a pen it can be a piece of trash piece of paper you throw it in the trash and you yell kobe right like small things like that are, are kind of stuck with us but at the end of the day when you think of basketball in general you think of mike right you think of jordan and i don't know i feel like it's hard to not put michael jordan there jordan has the best logo of any of these players he already has the logo and can you imagine every nba team having the logo and you know, it, it's different, but but I agree with you at the same time. Does Jordan really want to do that? Do you think he would kind of hurt his brand, quote unquote, by doing that? 
it would just be like weird because then it'd be like another Jordan. It'd be like Jordan League. You know what I mean? Like it'd be like a league of its own type thing. It's like I don't, I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't. What if they went with something like the NFL's logo, right? Where it just says NFL, but instead it says NBA. Like what if they did something like that? I I wouldn't mind that, but I don't know. The logo, the logo man is just iconic. You know what I mean? Like you well, see, you, you said it. The, it the, re, the biggest reason why the logo can't change is because. Jerry West, right? He's on the logo. It was made 50 years ago. And if you notice, they never claim that it's Jerry West. The NBA has never put out a statement or anything claiming that it's Jerry West. We yeah. just all assume it is. So Yeah, because they had a, a picture of him doing that exact same move. But, like, if you go through, you can find a picture very similar close to, like, half the league doing that exact move. All he was doing was dribbling with his left hand. Like, it's not like it was, like, an identified thing. Like, you're right. They never – 100% went out and said, yes, Jerry West is a logo because I don't know if he is actually like, I think, I think just as like a group thinking thing, everyone's like, Oh yeah, it has to be look at the picture, but you can find a guy from anybody attacking the basket from that side of the wing at that angle, dribbling with his left hand. That's, you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> the funniest part is they don't want to say it's Jerry West, even if let's say it is Jerry West, because the player would then ask for royalties because mm-hmm. technically they can't have the logo yeah. of somebody without giving them money. So mm-hmm. Jerry West, what if he sued, you know, one of these days, he's like, you know, the past, like what, 50 years, you guys have been using a picture of me and making so much profit. I won't have, he could do that. Imagine if he did that, how much money the NBA would lose. They'd be screwed. They might go bankrupt. They might be like, well, shit, we can't pay you that much. That's like $10 billion. You know Adam Silver. He would put a lick on Jerry West and kill him. Oh, Adam, oh my God. Jerry West even brought that up. Adam Silver like, kill him now. Get him out of my face. He'd go on the dark web and he'd be like, let me find somebody to take this man. He would out. just Google hitmen for hire. <laughs> While it is widely understood that Jerry is the logo, like you said, since they never acknowledged it and it is a non-existent player, I don't know who they could do it. I don't know who they can change it as. Doc Rivers said himself that he said – he thinks that the logo should be changed to Michael. Um, and he's like, at the same time, I don't feel like Jerry should be losing of the logo because he's been a deserving guy. Choose one guy, Caleb. Who do you want to change the logo to? I've heard some good examples of Bill Russell because of the civil rights movement and, and of course, the championships and everything. Um, obviously, Mike, Kobe, LeBron, but that would be I don't know if weird. you could do a guy from Bill Russell's era because – like our generation right now is like the generation where we just don't appreciate him at all. Right. Like we're starting to like phase out his legacy in basketball. And it's like, you mean to tell me people younger than us and generations after us are going to have to come in and respect Bill Russell. No, it's not going to happen. It's going to have to be somebody it might actually, Kobe might actually be one of the gen, one of the perfect guys, but here's the problem with that. It, like you mentioned with like the royalties and everything, they're going to have to pay, his family like they're gonna have to pay him pay them something like well vanessa bryant came out on twitter and said that she thinks that he should be the logo and genie said the same thing so vanessa clearly wants the money i wish i I don't blame her and i don't think it's for the money at all i don't think she's like that but because at the end of the day they have lifetime money but they Mm -hmm. are gonna want some royalties you can't use the guy's face the guy's you know motion yeah for free so you brought up a good point. I, I just yeah. – I don't know. Who do you have? I had 
Paul Pierce. Now, I'm like, if oh I had to redesign, God. listen, if I had to redesign the logo, I'd probably honestly do something like the NFL. I'd probably just do the NBA in writing or something. I don't know if there's a single player I'd want to do for because of the royalties you'd have to pay out. I feel like the only thing that they could do if they want Mike is not doing the logo, the, the, the MJ logo. They're going to have to figure something else out. I don't know what else you would do because there's no really other iconic picture. I just don't know. I don't, I don't think Mike is going to be the one because at the end of the day, does Michael Jordan want the, the Jordan logo on like a basic NBA hat? Like, you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. he's going to want to hurt his brand in that aspect. So I guess I'll go with Kobe, but I just, I still don't see it being Kobe. He's too controversial. At the end of the day, because of his history, the NBA doesn't want to have him as the face, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's challenging. I, I, I bet, I doubt they even change it. Well, other common things is how good James Harden has been. And right now he's averaging career highs in so many things, including field goal percentage, 49% from the field, 42% from three, eight and a half rebounds a game, 11 and a half assists per game. And he's the third most efficient ISO player this year. Caleb, can we give James Harden some credit right now? Because I feel like he's not getting enough love. They're eight and four without KD when Harden's playing and three and one without Kyrie when Harden's playing. For contrast, the Lakers record with LeBron is five and five without AD and 0 and four without Dennis Schroeder. So why is James Harden not getting enough love? Where's the issue here? Why, Why am I not seeing James Harden on the top of the list for MVPs? Because uh, media really didn't like the way he forced his way out of Houston, I guess. And that leaves like a lasting feeling on media and stuff whenever a guy does something like that. And I feel like that's partially why. Plus, I don't think Kyrie Harden and KD are the media's favorite players. So the trio of them together, everyone's kind of like, eh. If they do really good, we'll talk about them for a little. Like, they barely even talk about them on ESPN, to be honest with you. Like, they'll mention it, like, for a brief second, then they'll move on. I have no clue why he's not getting more love he needs to. But, hey, the lack of media attention might make their betting odds cheaper for the playoffs. It'll be easy money. I I have no clue why they're not talking about them more. I agree with you. I'm, I'm surprised as well. I think it's more of, like you said, the media is not liking how James Harden handled that whole – MVP race and how he was saying how he should have been the MVP and I feel like at this point Harden what he does is just the same old same old to those media members they don't see anything surprising in it especially because think about it if he couldn't get it in Houston when he was the number one guy clearly why should he get it now when debatably he's not the number one guy debatably he's not maybe he's not even a top two guy even though most people would say he is. There are some that argue that, you know, he's the third best player on the team. So I feel like the media is just, they're not going to help with that. But yeah, I, I feel like the way Harden is playing, he deserves more MVP love. I'm not sure why not enough people are talking about him, but I think he's a top three MVP candidate right now. Where would you rank him? Second. I'm being for real. Second. I think at the same time, all media tried convincing us that Harden, KD, and Kyrie weren't going to fit. I think that he's done so well that I'm like, fuck it. I'm putting, I'm putting him at two. I'm sorry. Like sure. And people are going to say the East is weak. The top two MVP candidates can't be from the East. Like, okay, whatever. Say what you want. Regardless. I like the way Harden's played. He has been so efficient since he got there. 
And Brooklyn looks really good, despite not being talked about at all. It's kind of hard to go against him being a top three at the very least. That's where I have him too, because I think with the way Jokic is playing, he kind of drops a little bit. He's playing super well still, but the Nuggets have not looked good. So you can't just give it to Jokic for me. And I would say at the end of the day, I feel like Harden's just been really good. He's been doing this all without Kyrie, without KD for the most part. Kyrie's played in a few of those games, but again, we've seen his record, 3-0 without Kyrie, 8-4 and without KD. That, that's extremely well. And one thing I will say is I think that James Harden has better odds maybe in a few months than he does right now because I still feel like not, a, not enough people are looking at it, especially with KD out. KD is now ruled out till the All-Star break, and we don't know if he's going to return right after the All-Star break. We don't know how much longer KD is going to be out. Is that a concern at all to you right now? Not really. I just think they're kind of taking our time with them. And by all means, like, like we mentioned before with LeBron, I don't think playoff seeding really matters for a trio of Harden, KD, and, and Kyrie. I think what matters to them is getting into the playoffs fully healthy. And if he, now, if he comes back from this injury and re-aggravates it and has to sit out like a month or something, then I'll be a little bit concerned because that's starting to get into like the lingering thing. You know how hamstring injuries can linger for a full season because you need adequate time off. Yeah. I'm hoping this fix it, but we'll see. Wow, I'm surprised. The KD hater has switched sides, ladies and gentlemen. I am too, Kevin. Bye. <laughs> you can't leave yet. Nets are doing super good, Caleb. They're 8-1 and one in the last nine games. They're averaging 17 threes made per game, which is first in the last eight game, nine games. And they're second in field goal percentage. So they've bumped up everything on their offense. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Nets, you know, kind of figure this way out and – they might be a team that could make some serious noise this year, especially because now they're creeping up to number one. And let's talk about a team that's creeping down below the playoffs, Caleb. That's your team, the Boston Celtics. Let's go to our Celtics. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I guess. They suck. <laughs> Simple as it is. Nah, um, I'll, actually, I'll actually go into this. So there's been a lot of struggles recently, right? And I want to talk about the media onslaught on them. For whatever reason, they've just been going in on them. Well, it's not for whatever reason. They've been they've been struggling a lot this year. Yeah, but people are saying, like, fire Brad Stevens. He needs to be on the hot seat. He needs to be out. Like, mm, no, I disagree with that. He's still a top 10 coach. I'm not getting rid of him. The issues are more on roster construction, which I think is pretty obvious. Um, and this is one thing I don't think people understand is whenever he came in, his main guy was Jeff Green. Then he went to Isaiah Thomas, then Kyrie Irving, and then Kemba Walker. Last year was more like a team effort. It was going to be Kemba, the Jays, and Gordon. And then this year he went in with a solidified number one, Jason Tatum. That's five number one guys in like an eight-year coaching career for him. It's not been easy. He's been making changes and adjustments for eight years. He hasn't been able to really get into a groove. Like Terry Stotts has Damian Lillard and CJ for his entire coaching career. Um you know what I mean? Like guys like that, they, they can stick around. They have the, the centerpieces. He hasn't really had that yet. Now, obviously the centerpieces are going to be the Jays moving forward. At least Jason. Jalen might get traded out, but they have him long-term wrapped up. I'm not really concerned. I'm going to give Brad Stevens at least two years with those two before I do anything. And Jason Tatum even came out and said himself that he loves Brad. Like him and Brad get along. There's nothing, there's nothing there that's concerning. It's just growing pains right now, which is fine. And they had the Celtics commentator come on. 
was which is Mike Gorman. Okay, old ass piece of shit. He actually did the first ever Big Be East. Nice. Game. For a fun fact, he actually did the first ever Big East game. And that thing ain't even a league anymore. So he's been at this for a while. So he knows a lot of basketball, right? Well, they had him on a Boston radio show. And you know how city radio stations are. They're very opinionated, very hot takey. That's what you have to do. That's part of the job. Like us. Yes. Well, they had him come on. They said, do you blame this season on Jason and Jalen? He came out right away and said, yes, they're ball stoppers. The all-star game is perfect for them because they both play one-on-one all the time. And that was really dumb of him. So the Celtics owner had to come on and say, listen, we're not concerned with them at all. They're doing exactly what they, what we need from them. They're not pointing fingers at anybody. This is their first year being the main guys on a good team, which what they were hoping was a good team. And he said, they're not pointing fingers. They're taking blame on themselves. They're not really forcing anything. They're not being ball hogs. Like people are going to point at the low assist numbers. I'm not because I watch the games and I see him kick it out to Grant Williams who smacks it off the top corner of the backboard. He's wide open. You get a more NBA-ready player out there, things change. You know what I mean? There was one game where Semi Ojale and Peyton Pritchard and even Tremont Waters was hitting all their corner threes when, when the Jays were driving and kicking out. And it was beautiful. They were they were hitting everything. Celtics won that game, I think, by like 18 or something. That's a glimpse of what can happen because it's going to be a five-out offense, similar to what Houston ran last year with Harden and Westbrook, how they would just attack and kick out. That's kind of what the Celtics are doing now, but the problem is we don't have those quality of players out in the corners hitting threes. So that's why the assist numbers are low. Am I worried? Not really. Like, And people are saying, no, make a trade for this player at the deadline. For what? I don't think one trade really saves this season. I do think we're better than what we are right now. I think we'll improve whenever Marcus Smart gets back. Like, Our four best players got to play a grand total of 28 total minutes together. So you kind of have to get a view of what they look like together, but I don't think there's one trade that saves the season. So honestly, and I know people are going to get mad, but I'd punt on the season. Maybe if you're going to make a trade, use the Ennis Canner trade exception. That's like 5.4 million. Try it that way. I wouldn't dip into the big trade exception because in the off season, you can incorporate a sign and trade through like a big free agent or something for 28 million. Like there's bigger ways to get around this in the off season. So I'd punt on the season if the struggles continue, I'd sit down and just dissect the entire roster, figure out everything, and go from there. Because one season isn't going to turn the isn't get, I mean, one trade isn't going to turn the season around. Okay. Well, you mentioned Brad Stevens, right? And I agree with what you're saying. For the most part, right now at this point, there's no trade that's going to save you guys. I don't think any specific trade, any specific move, is going to make you guys contenders. And to put the blame on Jalen and Jason is dumb, right? While they have struggled in the month of February specifically, Jalen is shooting 44%, 31% from three. Jason's shooting 39% and he's shooting 32% from three. Yeah, they have struggled. But I, I feel like it's, it's hard to put the blame on those two because you look at that rest that roster and they have struggled a lot. Like those players have struggled a lot specifically. Kemba Walker, we've talked about Kemba a lot on our podcast about how much he struggled. Now, there are games where he's played good. For example, Celtics are 5-2 and two when Kemba plays and he drops 20-plus. Mm-hmm. But then when he doesn't drop 20, they're 2-8. and eight. And that is more of a sign on, not on Kemba, I would say, more on the roster and the depth of the Celtics. They don't have enough depth, and we've talked about that over and over again. Now, here's where I find an issue with it, right? People talk about Brad Stevens, and Brad Stevens deserves 
a fair amount of criticism, just like everybody else on that roster. I agree. But at the end of the day, people are talking about it. Oh, well, he's been in the league for eight years. He's had no finals appearances, and he's had a bunch of disappointments. I can't disagree more on that. This guy's made it three out of the last four years. He's been in the conference finals, and he took a peak LeBron to seven games with guys like Terry Rozier, with guys like um, Jonas Jerebko. Like, he did not have a good roster. I think at the end of the day, it's tough to, to blame someone like Brad Stevens when he's developed these guys and gotten the most out of them. He's a guy that gets max potential out of players. You know what the crazy part is? A lot of fans always bring up – see, because there's like a, a big section of Celtics fans that are really sick of Brad and want him gone. But here's, here's why I think that that's very dumb. For the most part, the past three years, fans have been getting on him saying, you never play the young guys. You need to play the young guys more, like Rob and stuff. But we found out Rob has a – genetic hip disorder that's been messing with him for the past three years that's not ideal but people are always saying play the young guys play the young guys this year he's played the young guys more than I've ever seen him play a young guy before and we're struggling so you guys basically dug his grave for him and told him hey you need to play the young guys more I doubt he gets fired if he got fired that'd be so stupid but what you mentioned about people criticizing him for not going to conference finals he took, like you said, a peak LeBron to game seven with Terry Rozier as a starting point guard. Now, Terry has blossomed into a decent player for Charlotte, but in Boston, at the time he took over, he was a relative unknown, right? He was a relative unknown off the bench. That's more on Danny Ainge not getting the pieces to put them over the edge. He looked at a conference finals team last year who maybe he thinks they overachieved. That's I thought they overachieved last year. I thought they were a second-round team. But regardless, they made it to the conference finals. He saw that team, and he said, yeah, Jeff Teague, like you can't, Jeff Teague can't be the highlight of your off season whenever yeah. you're that close. And that's why I don't really get mad at Brad. I get mad at Danny for it. Danny to me, that's where I see the issue. And mm-hmm. I, I looked earlier and I, I did a little bit of research on, on what happened to your guys's bench. And I noticed Danny Ainge has turned a bench that was once Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, mm-hmm. Aaron Baines, Daniel Tice into guys like Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Javante Green. Like these guys are, are good NBA players. They're good young players, but look what you lost. And speaking mm-hmm. of another guy, Jay Crowder, you guys mm-hmm. lost on a guy like Jay Crowder. We see what he's doing on teams like Miami. Look what he did last year. Now look what he's doing this year with Phoenix. These are yeah. big pieces. That's what like, I get why you lose some of those players because you can't pay everybody and they're all yeah. going to want to get paid eventually, but you can't lose every single one for nothing. Like most of them left in free agency for nothing, but it's hard because in order to orchestrate a sign and trade, you also have to have the other team interested in dealing with you. So it's not like it's a guaranteed thing every off season, but, and people always say, Ainge is too prideful. He, he only makes trades if he knows he's going to win. I don't think that's really a fair argument against him. It's true, but that's like, I kind of want every GM to have that input. Like, I want to win every deal. You know what I mean? Sometimes he wants to go too far with it. And that's where I draw the line. But like, I don't, I don't get mad at him for wanting to win every deal. Like that's, I mean, I kind of want my GM to think that way. I don't want him just to make a trade to make one, but like what you said though, he turned that roster into a bunch of young guys off the bench. So that's where I question, well, is the, you know what I mean? The timeline right now for the Celtics. I mean, Jason's 22, Jalen's 24. Are they really trying to win right now? Or are they just trying to develop pieces and see what's next? Maybe that's it because their their main guys are really young. But then you go back to the Kemba Walker signing. Well, why sign him for that much? Why wouldn't you just bring back Terry Rozier if you want to keep the young guys together? So 
I don't know. Like I said, I'd punt on the season, just figure out where we are in the off season. But I don't know. I, I feel like we're going to go on a run here soon, and Celtics fans are going to be like, make a trade at the deadline. Like they're going to be pointing a gun to his head, like trade for John Collins right now. And it's like, there's no point right now. Just relax. Fans are always like that. They're so irrational. Mm-hmm. They're so reactionary, especially even the media. Like we yeah. talked about it. It's it's really fun to me how what 48 hours after you guys were in rock bottom Celtics Twitter and everyone was making fun of the Celtics. They're now fourth in the loss column for the East. Like they're not that far behind. Like the East is just super jam packed right now. I, again, I do put a lot of that blame on Danny Ainge, losing guys like Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Terry Rozier, you know, they, they've all been, look, you see what they've all been doing this year. They've been blossoming. Some of it does fall on Danny Ainge, but you can't, like you said, you can't win every single trade and, and force a trade because it's yeah. like, well, if you're, if you want to force a trade, you're most likely not going to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I will just say is uh, Tatum struggles have been quote, quote concerning for people, but I would say, look at him before COVID. He was averaging yeah. 27 points a game, yeah. seven rebounds, four assists on 48% shooting and 44% from three. And they mm-hmm. were seven and three. You guys were seven and three at the time. So yeah, I feel like a lot of that is just recovering from COVID. I saw as a Kings fan with Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald during the bubble, they were bad. And yeah. I think that's the same with Tatum. It's going to take time, but I, I see you guys having a bright future. Just maybe not this year. This year is probably yeah. not the year the Celtics win a championship, but it's also not the year where you guys fired everyone and, and yeah. you know, throw away the team and trade Jalen. Jason even said like two games after he came back, he's like, nah, I still have bad symptoms from COVID. Like I still can't breathe really. Like I lose energy very fast. And everyone heard that and watched him struggle the rest of the games. And people were like, nah, but that one game after he came back, he had 35 points versus Atlanta. It's like, okay, listen, he's still an NBA player. Like if he gets hot, it doesn't matter how tired his legs are. He's still going to be good. But you can tell. You can tell by watching. This is a completely different Jason Tatum than what it was pre than what it was pre COVID. Because right now he is struggling. Yeah. Well, Tatum has been struggling. You you called it. And another team that's been struggling, Caleb, are my Sacramento Kings. Hell yeah. Hey, we're we're no. rock bottom together. We're rock bottom together. Well, okay. See see you guys. Only difference is only difference is you guys are bad enough to where you guys are going to get a good pick. We're going to be middle of the pack. Just pick at 17 or 18. My That's Raider territory. Bottom, my rock bottom is the Kings losing 9 of 10 and almost losing to the Detroit Pistons. Caleb's rock bottom is them being sixth place in the East. Go up, would you? God. Anyways, the Kings, again, lost 9 of the last 10. They just beat Detroit by three points, in which was a game that they probably should have lost as well. Um, they've held an opponent to under 100 points. Caleb, can you guess how many times? Is it two? Two times? One. Whoa. Once this season. I would say the highlight of the past two weeks was Tyrese Halliburton getting some love from Harden and Kyrie. Did you happen to see any of that? Yeah, I did. That was cool. That was cool. And that's something that as a Kings fan, you got to take pride in because you don't got much else. Um, right now, the Kings are struggling, Caleb. De'Aaron Fox has been doing a lot better. I would say the past few games after struggling a lot after coming back from that injury where he dinged up his knee, Marvin Bagley has really shined. He's been the one bright spot besides Tyrese, I would say, but Tyrese has been kind of a constant this year. Marvin Bagley's looked good. He's looked a lot better defensively though. I don't know how one can get worse, but he's looking like he's gotten worse right now. I I just, 
the Kings just are looking like they're in a little bit of trouble as far as what they're going to do with this team and, you know, how this year is going to go. A few weeks ago, we were talking about should the Kings be buyers or sellers because that's what was going around. And now they, you know, they, they've fallen to 14 and 21. This team has, has been struggling a lot lately. And Caleb, I wanted to ask you, what's your opinion on what you think the Kings should do at the deadline? Do you feel more as, as this team should go on like a full out tank because of, you know, losing all these games and because of the draft class coming up? Or do you think that this should be more of just go see what you have. You still shouldn't punt on the year. It's not good for Fox. It's not good for your young guys. You don't want to just show them that you're quitting. Say no to tanking. Now I'm playing tank. Listen, I, I get the whole, like, don't trade away your guys. See what you have. Yeah. That applies to young guys, not guys like Harrison Barnes, not guys like Buddy Hield. Those guys are old now. I know Buddy Hield's only been in the league for like, what, five years, six years, but he's done. Like, I mean, his, his development's done. So you know what he is. You know what Barnes is. Trade him away. I mean, keep keep young guys like Woodard and stuff. By all means, do not get rid of those guys. But, like, those older guys on your roster, get them out of there. Get get a return, get draft picks, get assets, get something. Because they're not going to help you guys win. By the time you guys are good, they're probably going to be early 30s, right? And it's like, then you're just holding on to what was and all that. And it's Just get them out of there. Just go for a fresh start with the young guys and just, I don't know. Just get assets. It's it's more assets will help you guys more in the long run than those guys right now. I agree with you. I'm I'm on the same page. You know how I've been. I've been on the the tank bandwagon since the beginning because I feel like it's there's no reason to be going out right now and and not be tanking because right. I mean, at the end of the day, tanking is more of just taking out all your guys and losing games. But right now, Kings aren't tanking. They have young guys. They're just losing games. They're the games that they are winning, they're winning off the backs of their vets. Rashawn Holmes had 19 points and 18 rebounds to beat the Detroit Pistons. You know, Harrison Barnes had 22 points that game. Buddy Heald, before they overturned it, had a game-winning tip-in. So these are guys that are going to win you games. You don't need that when these guys are not part of your future and they're not even part of your present right now because they're not doing much to help you get anywhere. Right now the Kings are, what, 12th in the West? I will say, though, that it is pretty tight, so I don't know how they're going to fall to maybe like a top five pick, which would be ideal. But, yeah, the Kings have just been this weird whirlwind. What do you think, again, I feel like we talk about this every few weeks, what what do you think they should do with Luke? Like, where do you go from here if you're Monty McNair? Do you keep Luke around? Do you, do you let Alvin Gentry run the show? Like, if De'Aaron Fox approaches me and says, I don't like Luke Walton, then I'm getting rid of him. But if he doesn't say anything and Bagley doesn't say anything and Halliburton doesn't say anything, I'd say those three guys are the only guys that can make me fire Luke midseason because Luke is good for the tank. Let's be honest. Like, I mean, he he's, he's good for the tank. It, it's, it's just how it is. Keep him around unless one of those three guys approaches you and says, look, I don't really like Luke. Like, I don't like what he's doing with the team. I like the way Gentry – runs practices more then by all means you get rid of them but if they don't say anything keep luke in there and just accept the losses i'm with you on that i don't think you can just get rid of luke right away especially if like they have said a lot of the media said he hasn't lost the locker room yet i, I feel like if he hasn't lost the locker room and he's still losing games just go keep on the tank obviously if they hit like another 10 game losing streak 
feel like you kind of have to fire him because at that point, <laughs> shown that he's lost the locker room and it, it's kind of apparent. But, you know, I wouldn't want to have Alvin Gentry be the interim because then you know how the players get. Every time you have an interim coach, players just start playing motivated. They win a few extra games. Wouldn't want that, honestly, because at the end of the day, I'd rather have the Kings just go all, all out tank. They need another pick. They need a young guy. This team is just not good enough. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say if Tyrese, De'Aaron, and Marvin are their core. But if Monty McNair, you know, has – if I'm Monty McNair, I'm just going to go, hey, Tyrese, De'Aaron, Bagley, you guys play this year. Just go out there, you know, try to get wins. Obviously, don't try to lose, but we're not going to give you guys bets. We're just going to obviously punt on the season because we're not making the playoffs. But we're going to get another nice young piece. Wherever that piece is, wherever that's in the draft, I feel like you kind of got to go with that. And I, I don't know. I, I just, at this point, the Kings don't have much of a choice. You're not a winning team. And when you're not a winning team and you're struggling this much, you got to make a change. And that change is either you got to go full out tank or you got to just somehow be a buyer, maybe trade for a star. Do you think that that's a good idea for the Kings to trade for a star if that means they give up their pick next year for example like how minnesota did when they got jimmy butler i'd see how committed he is first but it, it depends what kind of caliber player pops up like if a Devin booker would pop up absolutely get rid of the pick like if a young guy pops up go for it but like if a guy who's like 30 or even like 28 or older i probably wouldn't do it only because it doesn't really fit the timeline right and I don't know. I would definitely talk to Darren about it, though. Like I said, Darren's the X factor in all the moves you guys make because you got to keep him happy. You got to, I mean, there's no doubt he's the guy for the franchise now. So do what he wants. Now, to an extent, don't do, don't pull what LeBron did with Miami and draft Shabazz Napier. <laughs> yeah, don't do all that. Just no, that's bad. But just yeah. get his input. I agree. You want to get his input, but like you said, I would be cautious on that too much because you don't want to hear everything that De'Aaron's going to say and follow him because that's he's not the GM. There's a reason why you have a GM. To me, you said a young guy, but I still – how many young guys – okay, what young guys do you trade the first-round pick for? Are you – like, uh, what is the limit of what you're going to trade that first-round pick for? Because – at the end of the day, how many teams that are veteran teams or that are playoff teams are going to give you their star? Probably not many. So that just leaves you with the bad teams. Who do you see? Like, give me an example of someone you could see that right. could be traded for that pick. Let's say Minnesota is just, just ready to hit fresh start. They've tried with Carl Anthony Towns. It's not going to work. They wasted, they wasted time trading for D'Angelo Russell. They're probably going to have a top three pick this year. We know the top three players this year are considerably better than the guy who went first overall last year, Anthony Edwards. Now they have Anthony Edwards. It wouldn't be bad to surround him, but if you could get, say you're Minnesota and you could have your pick and the Kings pick, which could end up being top 10. Would you consider, I mean, there's other, there's going to be other stuff involved too in a trade, but would you ship, would you ship Carl Anthony Towns out for him? And if you're, if you're the Kings, do you okay? If you're the Kings, why wouldn't you do that? You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't you? Because Carl Anthony Towns is really young and really good. And pre-COVID, in this wrist injury he had, he was like the healthiest player in the NBA. Like, no problems whatsoever. Why wouldn't you do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think if you're the Kings, that's a really good trade idea. And 
honestly, I wouldn't be surprised, Caleb, if you ended up being a, a, a wizard with this and made this prediction right here, because I could see that somebody brought it up. I believe it was Carmichael Dave. He brought it up that Monty McNair could easily be the GM that trades a first round pick for a superstar and not a superstar, but maybe like a young star. Now, if they get like a top five pick, could they package that with say a Marvin Bagley and, you know, maybe like a, a another protected first for Carl Anthony Towns? Would Bonnie McNair do that? Probably because that gives you two stars in the same window and, you know, you make Fox happy. I, I could see that. I could totally see that. I don't know many other teams, but I think Carl Anthony Towns is the perfect example. Hey, that, then that would give that would give Minnesota the flexibility to draft a Evan Mobley and possibly if your draft ends up around seven or eight, possibly like a Scotty Barnes or something. And then, you know, walking into the season with D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, random player at the three, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley at the four and the five. That's not a bad young group. Like that's a very solid young group to build with. Could they do that? Maybe. But, or they could even have Bagley too, because there's so many possibilities. And that's, and I think Minnesota's approaching that timeline where they have to think, like, do we ship him out and get a ton of young assets and figure it out? And I know Timberwolves fans aren't going to want to hear that. But the truth is, you guys are reaching that time. You guys traded, you guys listened to him whenever he wanted D'Angelo Russell, and you guys ended up now not having a pick this year. Well, you guys probably will get your pick this year because it'll probably be top three. But if it lands at four, not though. If it lands at four, you're probably done. Like, like you're, like you're done for. Your Carl Anthony Towns is done in Minnesota if that happens because you can't, you you can't trade for anybody with that pick. Then, like, there's no conceivable way of adding talent to the roster. You basically just traded away Carl Anthony Towns and first round picks for D'Angelo Russell to try to keep Carl Anthony Towns, and it, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think. It's just not going to work. I'm sorry. I just think that that trade kind of put the nail in the coffin for his future in Minnesota. Even though they're best friends, that doesn't always work in basketball. That's why, like, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's why me and you are doing a podcast. We're not playing two-on-two basketball tournaments. Yeah, because we wouldn't work well together. Amir's a ball hawk. I'm I'm literally not a ball hawk. I'm a point guard. You can't even make a left-hand layup. Please stop it. Let's go to our three sleepers, creepers teams and we're gonna go real quick through these ones let's go with the miami heat miami's on a five game win streak the heat are nine and three since eric spolstra made an adjustment to the starting lineup and miami's had the third best defense in that stretch jimmy butler's had a hell of a month in february 20 points a game nine rebounds nine assists bam as well 19 points 10 rebounds 55 percent from the field the heat are now sixth in the east after being in the bottom of the east caleb you got to give them credit. I think they've done super well so far. Did people kind of make that too early of a jump? Did, did we all just kind of <laughs> overreact by calling them a bubble fluke? Yes and no. I think they have improved, but they've also not really played that tough of competition out of their last 12 games. Oh, you play who's in I know, you play who you play, and that's fine. But people are starting to overreact now the opposite way and say, oh, yeah, they're for real. They just had a rough start to the season. They did battle COVID, but they're also five and three in the eight games versus teams over 500 in that last 12 game stretch. So not like beautiful or anything, but they've won. I can't get mad at them for winning, but do I think that they're a fluke of a bubble team a little bit, but they're not as drastic as it looked earlier in the year. You know what I mean? Like they're still going to be a playoff team, probably going to 
probably could sneak through the first round, but I don't, they're not a finals team. You know what I mean? They're not a conference finals team. They're not that kind of a team. I feel like I disagree with you on that because to me, I don't think they're a finals team, but I think that they could be a semifinals or a conference finals team. I feel like Miami has had a rough stretch. I mentioned it last week that I think most, of their struggles were because of that starting lineup being out and because of so many players being out with COVID. We said it last week, Eric Spolster's had the most lineup changes of any coach by far because of what's happened with COVID. Now that they've had a full healthy roster and Goran Dragic just came back. So now that they've finally started to get healthy, Miami's look good. They just beat Utah last night, the best team in the NBA. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like Miami deserves more credit. I feel like you're not giving them enough love. God damn it. What's wrong with you? And you know who else doesn't get enough love is, is Bam out of bio. He didn't get it selected to the all-star game. We both had him. What happened? I don't know. I, I think a lot of hype got to him preseason too. With the whole, he's going to win defensive player of the year. He's going to walk away with the thing. I don't even think, did the NBA media ladder thing even have him top five in defensive player of the year right now? Yeah, I didn't think like yeah, it's, yeah. but then you got to think too. This whole season for Miami, I'd say Miami and Boston are two teams that got screwed by COVID the most. So they've had a lot of people sit out because of COVID and everything. And COVID's really messed them up this year. Speaking of another team, Amir, that's really struggled with COVID, how about the Washington Wizards? Hmm. Yeah, seven and one their last eight games. They've probably dealt with COVID more than any other team. They've had the most cancellations of any team. They're going to have a rough second half of their schedule because of how many games are going to be piled on. But Russell Westbrook has looked good, man. That's one thing that we got to acknowledge. Hey. We were hard on him in the beginning of the year. And the past eight games, he's averaging 19, 10, and 10 on 44% hey. shooting. So shout out to Russell Westbrook. He set the Wizards franchise record for triple doubles in a season with 10. He has 10 now. And he's been doing a great job, dude. I feel like at the end of the day, Russell Westbrook got a lot of hate. And right now, People are starting to realize that, okay, Russ is, may not be the, the MVP that he once was, but he's also not like some backup point guard behind. They was talking about him like he was Chris Duhon in 2005. Like, chill. Like, he ain't, he ain't that bad. Like, bro, he's still a decent player. Like, come on. They're talking about him like he's John Salmon. Oh, my poor guy. Don't make fun of John Salmon. Bradley Beal has also played super well. He's averaged – uh, over 30 points a game and he now has 20 30 plus point performances in the 29 games they've played this season so that's only happened by ai carmel anthony and james harden in the past 20 years bradley bill's been doing really good i feel like not enough people like caleb just like to hate on him like they they don't acknowledge how good he is because they think he's overrated and I don't know why Caleb decides to do that because he doesn't even believe that, but he wants to do a bit on the podcast. Listen, half of media is getting getting bites like that because you got to think, do you really think Paul Pierce, Shaq, Jalen Rose, Charles Barkley, you really think they're all that stupid to where they're saying this ridiculous stuff on air for this kind of reaction? I no. Mean, Ch- uh, Shaq doesn't even know Emmanuel Quickly's first name. He doesn't know half the league's first name, but to be fair, does any old person... Yeah, not really, I guess. <laughs> you're right. And, <laughs> I mean, okay, whatever. You're right, you're right. All right, you, 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 I'll give you that. But I still think that at the end of the day, with how good Washington has been, going back to them, people are sleeping on them. And I don't know. I feel like right now Washington is a good team. I don't know if 
people overreacted? Do you think people overreacted with how they played? Yes. Because just like we mentioned with Boston and Miami, we gave them a, a cutoff because of COVID and everything. We said, oh, they get some slack because of that. Well, why don't we do it with Washington too? Sure, their roster, maybe people have reacted. They lost Thomas Bryant. That's a big loss. I think he's a good energy guy. But they lost some stuff. But Berton's starting to shoot better. He's shooting 46% in this past, like, 11 games or something. Like, he's, he's been getting a lot better. Not scoring at the volume I think people expected. But if he's just a catch-and-shoot guy from deep, so be it. That's a, that's a pretty – 46% is pretty solid. Um, he's starting to figure it out. Hachimura's starting to figure it out. They're starting to get a lot of input from the rest of the roster. And – they're obviously it's working. They're winning a lot more. They are winning a lot more. And like you mentioned, those guys have been playing much better. Rui Hachimura is finally back after being hurt on and off this whole season. And he's played good. I, I think Denny of has been playing pretty good too for a rookie. That team's kind of started to figure that out. And another team that's also starting to figure out is the Golden State Warriors, Caleb. Golden State has won seven of their last 10 games. They've started to really figure that out. They've won three straight, and they're actually undefeated when Draymond scores double digits. They're 5-0, and and when he has a triple-double, speaking of, you said that Westbrook has a record for most triple-doubles in a single season for the Washington Wizards. Well, Draymond Green, he's 24-1 and when he has a triple-double. Draymond's played really good, I feel like, this year. Steph has obviously played out of his mind. He's averaging 30 a game. 48% shooting, 42% from three. He's 60% efficient field goal percentage. The last time he's averaged that much, Caleb, do you remember that? Hmm. His 2015-2016 MVP season. That was unanimous. Unanimous MVP. So, Steph, once again, another player, just like we mentioned with James Harden, not getting enough love. How many players are there in this MVP race, Caleb? And, and where do you have Steph? This is probably the most wide open the MVP race has been mid-February in like a long time. Usually you got a solidified two guys that are gunning it out. Most years you have a solidified one guy that's clear cut ahead. I would say the MVP race is probably four deep. I would say Steph is right there. They're winning. They're 19 and 15. I mean, they're good. And so Dame's not on your list anymore? No, Dame is. Dame's at three. I have my, my top five is one Embiid, two Harden, Dame's at three, Steph's at four, and Jokic is at five. I like Jokic. Wow. But, but he has a ways to go. Also, did you see Giannis' stats on the year? I get my I get that Milwaukee is struggling, yeah. but he's also putting up, like, very good stats. Like We talked about it, voter fatigue. Yeah, nobody is even talking about him. Because, like, I honestly, to be honest with you, didn't know he was putting up those numbers until somebody posted on Twitter and said, why is nobody talking about Giannis for MVP? And it's weird. It's like it's like what we did last week with Dame. Remember, I brought up Dame. Yeah. I looked him up. I watched a few games. And then I, I brought it up to you. And you're like, honestly, I don't even know that about Dame. It's the same thing with Giannis for both of us. And you mm-hmm. know what's funny? You, you and I both had Jokic and LeBron in our top three, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Where they are now. Where's LeBron even on your list? Like six or seven. I just think I think this stretch without Anthony Davis and them losing and struggling has just murdered his MVP odds. Yeah. And going back to Steph and the Warriors, Steph has played like that 2015-2016 year. He's played just as good, and he's playing without Clay this year. So you got to give him credit. They've been doing really good. I feel like they've proved a lot of people wrong. A lot of people said, oh, the Warriors maybe are a fringe playoff team, if that. 
they're going to struggle with Steph, blah, 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 because of what they saw last year. Clearly not the case. But I do want to ask you, Caleb, what is this team's ceiling at the end of the day? Do you see them being a, a contender at all? Like, do you see them being a, a first-round exit? What is the ceiling for the Warriors right now? And what can they do? Should they be buyers or sellers at the deadline to to raise that ceiling or, or to solidify that ceiling? I'd be a buyer if I could. I don't think – I think you could trade away your pick or Minnesota's pick, depending on how they feel about Clay. If Clay looks good and working out and stuff, I'd probably move that pick. But if he's, like, struggling and everything, maybe look to make the pick, maybe pick a young guard or something. It depends, though. But personally, I'd probably be a buyer at the deadline. I think Steph, Dre, I think they're at that age now where they can still – they still have a window together. It just – you got to put the right guys around them and – I don't know who that'll be. Minnesota's pick at the deadline. Like I said, it depends on how Clay looks, but like it also depends on how Ubre and them look. Like if they look, if Wiggins keeps up what he's doing and Ubre starts, if he keep continues on the trajectory he's on, I probably just keep the pick and roll with those guys. But if they're if one of them slumps off or Ubre starts sucking again, pause. You know, maybe you look to move him in a package deal with that pick and try to bring in a guy. I don't, like I said, they said that this trade deadline is probably going to be one of the more non-eventful ones because there's so much mystery about this season, how weird this whole season's been. We'll have to see, though. But personally, I'd probably be a buyer if possible. This is where I'm confused. Why should the Warriors trade their pick? Because you're saying this, right? You're saying if, if Uber is not as good, that they should look to trade that Minnesota pick. Why would they trade the Minnesota pick at the deadline when I have two questions? Why would they trade at the deadline instead of at the end of the season and maximizing that pick's value? And number two, why would you trade the pick? Because at the end of the day, if Clay is looking good, right, wouldn't you want to first, at least, like I said, wait? And then second of all, you'd want a star, correct? You'd want another. You have to get a star if you're giving up that pick. What's the rush in getting it this season? Because do you think that that player, along with Steph, can take them to the championship as well as Draymond? Like, do you think that that player can make the difference? So that's why you're saying the deadline, that they should be buyers? Because I feel like they shouldn't be anything. I feel like, if anything, they should be sellers on a guy like Ubre and try to stack up for next year. You really want to prove you know, that next year you can be a contender. And I feel like that your best chance is this offseason trading that Minnesota pick for a star. I just feel like it's too early. Why do you think that they should do it at the deadline? Partially because I just think Steph and Dre are at that age where they can still go for it. You know what I mean? Like, anything can happen in the playoffs, especially this year. Like, I feel like it was just like last year. Anything can happen. But at the same time, like, they probably aren't ready yet, but I don't know how much, like I just mentioned with them at that age they are now, I don't know how much a young guy coming in is really going to help them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Wiseman, Wiseman's able to make an impact because he's a center and centers typically come in impact ready. Like they can make an impact right away. If they make a pick next year. Like who's it going to be like, if they have like a top five pick, sure. That guy can come in and make an impact. But like with their first round pick being at like 23, 24, it's not going to do much value. You know what I mean? Like trade it yeah. out. I don't think they should keep the pick regardless, but I'm saying they should at least wait till the off season. I feel like, because, okay. So here's my best argument for your side is if AD is genuinely hurt and he's not going to come back this year, the Warriors might have a chance if they can get another start. Well, Caleb, I know one player that you're buying a lot of stock in and that's uh, a certain 
point guard at Oklahoma State. Let's talk about Cade Cunningham, our first player on our stars of the show. We got two players we're going to talk about. Cade Cunningham is first. Caleb covered most of the first player. I covered most of the second player. So, Caleb, why don't you let him know why Cade is your star? I just feel like he's going to be the number one pick consensus. Like, I don't think there's anybody that's really going to challenge him. I know some people are high on Mobley, Suggs, but, like, I feel like Cade's in a, in a tier of his own. I don't think it's even close, really. Um, Cade went to Oklahoma State because his brother's an assistant coach there, kind of skipped out on Kentucky, Duke, all those guys, because he wanted to keep it in the family, which I know people are going to overlook that. Wow, I didn't but, know that. Yeah, but I know people are going to overlook that and say, oh, that's just him wanting to go where his brother is. But for me – I take pride in that. Shows he's loyal, right? Shows he could have went to Duke, Kentucky, but nah, he wants to he wants to go to a team where he's going to be able to be with family and kind of be himself. Granted, that could just be, well, he only went there because he knows he's going to be there for a year. If that's the case, why not go G League, take the money, run? You know what I mean? But he went to Oklahoma State, and I think that says a lot about his character, right? He's loyal. So you can bet on him if you're a tanking team, bad team. You could bet on him wanting to be there for the long haul. You don't really have to worry about his – focus and effort because he's given Oklahoma State a tremendous effort they just took down number seven Oklahoma and he was amazing he had 40 points and 11 rebounds right mm-hmm. he can score at all three levels great finisher great free throw shooter great three-point shooter mid-range just as good okay he can take somebody in the post he has what I think is the most underrated skill is positional versatility I think in a league where guys are expected to be able to play a positionless basketball He's one of those guys that can play it. He's he's played one through five at Oklahoma State. His listed position is point guard, but he's played one through five. Granted, at the NBA, I think he's more of a one through four player. Like, I don't think he's going to play the five, but positional versatility is a big thing for me. That's what I have as my number one strength for him because that is a very big strength coming into the league. You know, it's funny because even five years ago, that's called a tweener, right? A guy that doesn't have like a sort of like a solidified position. People get worried about that. Not anymore. That's encouraged now. And people like it. Catch and shoot is a weakness for him. So if you're looking at a team like Oklahoma City, where they want him, who can can SGA play off the ball? Because I don't think Cade's going to be good right away playing off the ball. Another weakness for Cade is his high dribbling. He dribbles high. And his handle is not really the most tight. But at the same time, at the next level, if he's going up against fours, it's going to be more than fine. And you might want to work on it, but you can work on handle. Jalen Brown's handle whenever he came in the league was horrific. He worked on it. I think Cade's a hard enough worker that he's going to work on that sort of stuff. Um, people are going to bring up assist numbers. Again, I sent a video in the group chat. I don't know if you watched it, of him hitting a, a roller from like almost at half court on the, like perfectly, spun him right into the shot, and he just missed the shot. And it's like, that's an assist that he missed out on. That's why I think specifically in college, assist numbers are really overhyped because nine times out of 10, those kids that you're passing to, if you're not going to a team like Duke or Kansas or Kentucky or something, nine times out of 10, those kids you're passing to, they stay. They're not going to be at the next level. So assists are, they're situational, right? Like sometimes they matter. Sometimes they don't. I don't think in Kate's case, they matter that much. Um, Defensively, he's fine. Like he's really good defensively too. There's very little holes in his game. Like whenever I listed those weaknesses, I'm nitpicking. Like, I'm nitpicking his catch-and-shoot ability. Like, do you understand how ridiculous that is that that's what I have to list for a guy's weakness? He's he's solid all the way across the board. And I think because that is a consensus number one pick, I don't think i take any guy over this guy. Yeah. From what I've been watching, I really like Cade Cunningham as well. 
He's super dynamic point guard. Like you said, he's tall. He's versatile. He can he can pass. He can dribble. He's I saw a move from him the other day, and, and we just talked about it. I believe it was yesterday. When he had the ball at the top of the key and he did a crossover, he did multiple crossovers. He did the half little shimmy shake, came up, pump fake, steps back, takes a shot, drains it. And it just showed me that his his game is – it just has it all. For a point guard, he can do everything. Um, 40 points, again, at Oklahoma State, a school that's not very good, a school that not much help on that team. He's getting a lot of the attention. His usage right now is one of the highest usages for any college player. Now, some may look at that as, oh, okay, well, that's why his numbers are looking so good because he's at a bad school with a higher usage. Well, no. When you're at a higher usage, when you're at a worse school, that just means that you have more of the pressure, you got more on your plate, and you got to handle most of the offense. And let's keep in mind, guys, this is not the small forward of the team. This is the point guard. He's running the show. So at the end of the day, other teams are scouting him. The only player they're really scouting – pre-games is Cade and the fact that they're scouting him and putting all this pressure on him double teaming him if you saw at the end of the fourth quarter they threw the double on him he lost the ball turned the ball over but that's because they don't want him to win they want it to force it force him to put it in someone else's hands and that's stuff you see with superstars mm-hmm. in the NBA now like Luca mm-hmm. you know superstars that can hit those shots so yeah I'm excited for Cade I think Cade has a super bright future I think when people bring up the whole the whole usage rate and everything like that's just a nitpicking thing because it's not like if he was doing that and having a high turnover percentage high like horrible efficiency yeah then i'd say okay it's a little bit concerning but he's doing it efficiently and the turnovers he has like they're just i mean they're silly turnovers because they're in the aspect of sometimes he's trying to be he's trying to create too much or trying to you know what i mean like experimenting a little bit too much on the court and at the college level that's what i want to see like i want to see him i want to see the good and the bad so whenever he's experimenting with like a cross court pass just swinging it over with his hand i want to see that stuff because nine times out of ten he's making the right play it's just sometimes he tries a little bit too much and he gets turnover out of it so i'm living with it i think they're fine like i think he's a fine prospect like there's no holes in his game oh what can i say all right, where do you see Cade in the NBA? Do you see him like what is his ceiling? We talk about ceilings a lot today. That's that seems to be the the catchphrase of the day. But where do you have Cade as as far as point guards in the NBA in the future? And just as far as players, do you see MVP potential? What are some of the things you see from him? He has top ten player in the league potential for sure. And whenever you're a guy that has that sort of potential there's no really sailing on your potential. You know what I mean? Like you can easily be the number one guy in the league. I like, he's definitely going to be offensively. I think a 25 point per game guy at the very least, especially with how the league is going now where you can score a lot easily. There's a scoring boom going on right now. Like we're seeing more scoring in the league this season than ever before. Is that credit to the short off season guys aren't really going as hard defensively? Maybe, but we'll have to see if this sticks. I think it will. I think this is just the way the NBA wants the game to be played now. I think they want high-scoring games. I think they're over the mid-2000s, 77-63 final scores. I think they're done with those, but we'll see. I, I think his ceiling is like 25 points, six-and-a-half assists, six-and-a-half rebounds. I think that's like a good baseline for what his prime could be. I'm not saying that's what he's going to do his rookie year. Rookie year, you never know. A guy could struggle early, but what I see from Kate, I have no reason to worry. I think – 
whoever lands him is getting a like a generational prospect. I can't disagree with you on that. I feel like Cade's potential is super high. As far as point guards, I look at the point guards right now. You got guys like Trey. We we did a poll on it. Trey, De'Aaron, SGA, John Morant. Cade just looks better than all of them. He looks like he's better than all. He looks like he can do more than all four of them. I, I feel like if you're ranking them, I, I would put Cade as the number one. I would want Cade on my team to start. And yeah, we're putting a lot of stock in this guy, and we think that he has potential to be one of the best players in the league. Speaking of someone that's very high potential and that's currently one of the best players in college right now is college star Paige Buckers. For those of you that don't know too much about her, I know a lot of you guys don't keep up with women's hoops. And uh, for those of you that do, it's great. We're bringing it up and we want to just kind of just go over her. So I'll just give a quick brief summary. She's a five-star recruit from Minnesota. She first received a scholarship at 14 years old and she justified that hype by in her first college, in, in her college career, um, she scored 30 points in three consecutive games, which is the first player in UConn's history to do that. She's been killing it lately, Caleb. Just after last game, she set the record at UConn for assists in a single game with 14 assists. She finished with 20 points, 14 assists, seven rebounds, three assists. She now has the most assists in UConn history at 130, and she only did that in 20 games. So uh, she's taken over girls basketball right now. She's ranked second in the country for win share. She's 15th in the country for points per play. And there's only two players ahead of her that have the same amount of field goal attempts. So Caleb, this is, this is a girl that's been killing it right now. I feel like not enough people are talking about it. UConn is number one in the country. You know, UConn's, you know how they've been. They're always number one. They've had players like Maya Moore um, and she's comparable to her. She's doing stuff that only people like Maya Moore have done. And her high school coach said that her first varsity game as an eighth grader, Caleb, she played on varsity as an eighth grader. She came off the bench and went eight for nine from three and won the game. After that, they went 31 and one on the year. And then they lost four more games the next season and they didn't lose again for the rest of Bucker's high school career. Yeah. She was a McDonald's All-American and Funny thing is, sorry, Timberwolves fans, but apparently she had more people go to her games and watch her games than people can watch Timberwolves games. So I feel like she's been doing really good. I mean, she went to Steph Curry's camp. You see NBA stars talking about her. For those of you that don't know, she's going to be a hell of a talent in the WNBA. Caleb is a big WNBA guy. He's a, a Seattle, Seattle Storm. Woo He's a diehard Seattle Storm fan. Caleb. What are your thoughts on Paige Buckers? How much have you watched of her and, and how much are you looking forward to her? She could go into the WNBA right now and probably be a top five point guard. Like whenever she gets drafted, like whenever the time comes for her to leave college and go to the WNBA, she's going to end up being like, she's, she's going to be like a general, like, you know how people were really excited for Sabrina last year, whenever she went to New York, like imagine that times like 15, that's going to be Paige when she goes to the WNBA. She's going to be Maya Morris. Like, you did a really good job with that comparison in terms of whenever she gets drafted, the franchise is going to change, like, immediately. I hope whenever that time comes that Seattle is in position to get the number one pick. But I don't know. I, like I said, right now she's coming to be a top five point guard. So, yeah, she's going to be so good at the WNBA. God damn it. <laughs> I know you're upset. Well, 
we talked about it. I, I feel like there's so much going around about her right now. ESPN's covering her a lot. And rightfully so. I'm glad they are because the stuff that she's doing, it's super rare. It's exciting. I feel like we don't see that a lot. And nowadays we're starting to see more of these younger players just come out and be superstars. And she's really good. I mean, one thing I will say is people will, will mention the fact that, well, you know, she's, if you want to nitpick, we talk about nitpicking, right? It's, it's about her points average. It's about she doesn't average that many points per game um, and, and she's whatever. But again, you're talking about a girl that's leading the league in assists. She's leading UConn history, which UConn is the greatest school when it comes to women's basketball. She's killing it out there. She's, she's out there breaking records. She's breaking so many UConn records. And that doesn't happen. Like we talk about it. She has other stars on her team. She has girls dropping 20, 25 a night. Like this is not a situation where you could be like, well, she's a lone person on a bad team or a lone person on a good team. She's doing this. She's putting up numbers on a stacked team. I don't know what really, uh, what I would say, holes or weaknesses she has besides the fact that she's not dropping 30 a game. Yeah. Kind of like Maya Moore was averaging about like 25, 26 mm-hmm. at UConn. So I don't know. I'm excited for her. I think I think she'll go number one, Caleb. What do you think? She'll go number one for sure. <laughs> what would it have to take for her to not go number one? Her to quit. <laughs> like that's the only way. Like her to retire. Like that's the, the only way she's drafting. <laughs> do you have any bigs that could possibly turn into the next Kevin Durant? No, nah, I'm playing. <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. I'm done. I'm done talking about this. All right, Caleb. That's it for today. We covered pretty much everything. We hope you guys enjoyed this special episode. We still don't know. What number are we on again? I'm a guest 22. 23. Uh, I'm going 23. Shout out to LeBron. Shout out to uh, the concentration camps in China that are making his jersey. You're going to say shout out to LeBron when you bring up the number 23? Have some respect for Frank Ramsey. Celtics have number 23 retired, and Frank Ramsey is the guy. Oh because he was, on, he was a bench player on the championship teams with Bill Russell. Why? We got like 17 numbers retired, and half of them suck. They shouldn't even be. Sorry. All right, Caleb, my question to you. Top five chips, ready to go. Top five chips? Bro, I don't eat that many chips. I can't name five. I'll name my favorite flavor. Okay, you know what? I'm going to throw you chips. You're going to tell me, you're going to give me a scale of what? One to five or eight of F, okay? Scale that. Eight F. All right. Blaze. Regular potato chips? I mean, Just like the classic? Yeah, classic Blaze. Okay. Uh, B. I mean, you can't get wrong with the classics. I'm going to go C. Sour cream and onion, Blaze. D. What? Disgusting. Uh, salt and vinegar chips. A. A tier. I give you that. Uh, Pringles. Regular Pringles. B. I mean, you can't go wrong with the classics, like I said. Doritos. Cool Ranch. Cool Ranch? B. No, I'm going D. I hate Doritos. They're all F. Uh, okay, you don't Doritos. But I'll let you go. What about the red Doritos? The nacho cheese? C. C. I have no problem with them. What about regular Cheetos? Nah, I'm going D. I don't like Cheetos. I, I don't like them. You gotta be like six years old to like Cheetos. Okay, what are this is this is where our friendship remains on the line. Ready? Cheetos, flaming hot limon. I've never 
never had them. I had the flaming hot. I've had the flaming hot, but I've never had. Why have you not had the limon ones? They're the good ones. I saw Post Malone had a commercial about them, but I was nervous. Right, what about the cheddar jalapeno ones? Never had them. I never had. I think I'm I've not had- like I'm not a big like Cheeto guy. Like I'll get flaming hot Cheetos like if that's like the last thing there, and I'm like, ah, okay. All right, this is this is also where your defensive has talking. Never had them. Nah, I'm fine. I give those a B. I give those a B. I give those a B. They're okay, good. I never bad? had the blue bag. The blue bag. The blue bag. I never bag? had. The purple. The purple one. I did have, and they were good. Okay. What about sun chips? Okay. Harvest cheddar is okay. I'll give that a C. The garden salsa one is a B, and the original ones are an F. I, there's just no flavor there. It's just like I'm eating grain. It's it's not good. I'm not a big fan of sun chips, so I'm gonna have to pass on that. What about uh, Tostitas tortilla chips? Just regular tortilla chips? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give those a B. And they're classic. You can't fuck up a classic. You can't mess those up. All right, what about Ruffles? Okay, Ruffles just came out with a Jason Tatum flavored chip. Like his, like, his flavor, what, I guess. He's like Tatum? No, they taste like, here's what he did. He did barbecue because it's big in St. Louis and spicy because he likes spicy food. So his flavor of chip is a spicy barbecue. It's flaming hot barbecue. Let me tell you, it's it sounds weird, like a weird combo. But yeah, it's, it's a... No, it's Ruffles. It's a, it's a flaming Hot Barbecue Ruffles chip, and it's not bad. Like, it's actually surprisingly good. I hate Ruffles, though. They feel like the king. Ruffles, I don't like Ruffles, but I decided to try those chips because Tatum. But they were good. But I, I'll never get, like, regular Ruffles potato chips. Like, they're just, they're, they're weird. They're too big, I guess. Pause? Pause? But they're just, like, a, lo- a massive potato chip. I don't know. What are your thoughts on these two? Fritos. Just regular Fritos? Yeah. See? I don't hate them, but love them. That's an F. I can't, if Fritos, if you gave me Fritos as my one chip to, to eat to survive, I'd probably be like, nah, I'm good. Okay, Honey Barbecue Wise Chips. How do you feel about those? Never heard of those. Honey Barbecue Wise Chips. You know the Wise brand, right? Honey Barbecue is good, man. I just had some Honey Barbecue Wings last night. Ooh. It's, it's my it's in my A tier. Okay, I have two chips in my A tier: salt and vinegar and honey barbecue. Those two, it's unparalleled. There's nothing that's gonna touch those. That's how I feel about I would say Takis, and then I would say um, the Lay's. What, what are they considered? What is the Lay's green one? Is that the sour cream and onion? Uh, it's not the sour cream and onion. The limon one, the Lay's limon. Uh, you can kind of get a. <laughs> Where you I'm like spicy at. chips? That's what you like. No, it's they're not they're not spicy. They're just yeah, Starburst gum. All right, guys, that's it. We're done for today. We'll see you guys next week. We'll be back actually on Thursday for our All Star draft order. Guess what? Whoever has the highest leading score is gonna end up having to make the other person buy a T-shirt. So we'll see you guys on Thursday. Thanks again for tuning in. We had fun. We enjoyed you guys. We had a great stay, but uh, I think it's time to go, Caleb. Any last thoughts? No. He's eating, guys, so he doesn't care about you guys. He cares more about the food in his mouth. Peace. Okay. (laughs) They're going to be like, we're going to get Ned's Twitter after you. I'm like, oh, all five of you guys are so freaking horrified. Fucking scrubs. What is Ned's Twitter? Spencer Dinwiddie? It's seven people.
It's Spencer Dinwiddie and the six other people holding crypto because of him. <laughs> Dinwiddie. Yeah, <boy>. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Damn it. Why are we... Why are Dinwiddie coin? Bro, you see the porn website that sent out links to James Harden and Kyrie to come to a virtual strip? Yeah, yeah. I wish I could get in on that. Why don't we get invites to that? What the hell? We're we're NBA media, for Christ's sake. Bro, I don't want anything else. I just want the virtual wings. <laughs> Boundless wings, of course. Oh, don't get in that. We don't want to talk about the Canadians again. Yeah, your cousin will kill me. Okay, yeah, I need to get back on track. Um, all right.